My name is Raina Duris. I am the host of CBC Radio 2 Morning. CBC Radio 2. I play music and tell stories to the entire country Monday to Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio in session. Okay, so hard-hitting question first, yes. Raina, for you. Um, is it true you grew up in a commune? It's not entirely untrue. Okay. <laughs> I, I grew up with um, pretty chill parents, very artistic, like a very artistic family. Yeah. Uh, we had this cabin up north that uh, we spent a lot of time at. It was like it's been in the family for a really long time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, stuff like saunaing and bonfires and uh, sculpting, things like that. Those were all things I did when I was pretty, pretty little. Okay. It was like, my family's very uh, very artistic, very laid back. All right. Very so, commune-like. So you, you, you <laughs> could have been in Girl Guides or Scouts, almost the same thing. Mm. I was in Brownies mm. briefly, but uh, I didn't like it. No? No. <laughs> didn't like the brown? Was it the brown? I don't know what it was. I think I, had a, I have trouble with authority, and I did not like <laughs> my Tawny Owl, which is with the names of the... Uh, I guess the leaders of the, okay. of the brownie pack or whatever it's called. Yeah. But Tawny Owl, Brown Owl, Snowy Owl. Tawny Owl was really mean to me and I didn't like her, so I quit. <laughs> <laughs> so first of many encounters with authority I've had where I just left. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so you went to Ryerson, yes. studied, was it radio broadcasting journalism? Uh, radio and television arts is what it was called then. Okay. Um, what? Where did you first sort of fall in love or, or know that that's what you wanted to do in terms of radio? Well, the first... It's funny. Back when... Uh, I guess I got like a video camera. My parents got a video camera when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't remember doing this really, but we found the videos a little while ago. And it's me like inviting people to call in for a contest when I was like 10. Which is insane. Oh, wow. Which is... Uh, that's not even the fun part of radio. Like, I don't know what I was... I was like, yeah, be caller 10, and you could be going to this thing, and it's... Which is a weird thing. So I guess it happened earlier than I think of it happening. The real moment I could probably pinpoint as, like, the radio moment uh-huh. um, was in grade 11, and I was in my economics class, and I was a real loudmouth, and uh, I always had a lot of very loud opinions. And one day... Um, Andy Barry, who is the host of Sounds Like Canada, uh, which is on the C- which was on the CBC, okay, uh, he was going to come in and talk to a bunch of high school students about the war in Iraq, and my oh, wow. economics teacher was like, "Well, you have a lot to say about this stuff." So, You're a loud mouthing class. Yeah, thing. So, so do you want to go on this show? And I have no idea why you would interview a bunch of high school students, by the way, about the war in Iraq. Like, yeah. we had no. I was so uninformed. Uh, you think about that now, but back then you go, I got I, something to say. I knew everything about the war in Iraq <laughs> at the time. Um, but yeah, he came in and we talked and I said a lot of stuff about how George Bush was just there for the oil, which, you know, made, you sure. know was true. Um, but uh, and, and after I was just like, I want I to do this. I, I said to Andy Barry, I was like, I want to be on air somehow, yeah. someday. And he said, thank me when you get your first Oscar, which... I don't know if that's what I'll be winning for me on the radio, but sure. the point was... Well, that, you won, like, what, most favorite radio host? Uh, I got... A couple of times? Toronto's... Uh, well, I, don't, I don't even know what it's called. Uh, the best radio host in Toronto 
according to like readers of Now Magazine, uh, yeah. for 2014 and 2015. So did you thank him then? I didn't get to make a speech, but I should oh. thank him now. <laughs> thank you, Andy Barry. There you um, go. But yeah, so that was sort of that was sort of the beginning, and then uh, I was a big drama nerd. So okay. I did that, um, and it wasn't always it wasn't for sure radio. It was like I wanted to be on air in some capacity. You wanted to do something. Yeah. Was radio big in your family? Like, I'm just thinking about that video that you made that you found. It sounds like, you know, at, at 10 years old, you know, you're not programming radio. <laughs> we, we listened. Music was huge in our family. Okay. We listened to a lot, a lot of music all the time. And that, you... that sometimes meant listening to the radio or my parents' record collection. Uh, sometimes it meant CBC. Uh, it was any, like, there's always something on. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was, like, very rarely silence in our house. So I guess I must have picked it up from there. Like I remember doing that thing before before CDs where you would tape songs off the radio that you loved. Yeah. Um I would do that and sometimes I'd like record stuff in between them and you know that kind of thing. Um so yeah, I guess it wasn't that radio itself was ever a big thing specifically, but but okay. sound was always a but big yeah, thing. Yeah. What were you, what were your parents listening to? My parents uh, they were huge into stuff like Leonard Cohen, Tom Waits, nice. Bob Dylan, wow. uh, the Stones, Beatles. It was they were big into like classic rock uh, and sort of the songwriter stuff. Yeah, uh, Bowie was huge, mm. uh, and. Yeah, those are like those are the big ones I really really remember. Uh, my mom, I think my mom liked Zeppelin. If I, nice. <laughs> so I grew up with like a pretty strong like rock background. Yeah, I guess. yeah, that's really really cool. Um, did you do so? You did that that show while you were in grade eleven, like yes. an episode. Did you do anything at Ryerson? Uh, I was. Uh, we had Ryerson's uh, strange because they had a radio they, station. They did. But they didn't. So um, I think it was CKLN. Yeah, yeah. Which was on the eighty-eight point one frequency. That's right. Is, uh, it was. It was not technically a student station, which is very weird. Okay. Um, but Ryerson did have an online station called Spirit Live, which I think had maybe like they still have it. But at the time, I think they had maybe five listeners, and like one of them was my mom. Uh, <laughs> I had a show uh, there called The Loop. In my first year of university, there were six or seven of us on the show, which is too many people to have how speaking. Many, how many too many people is that? That's like four or five too many four people. Or five too many. <laughs> what was the show about? Whatever. We all lived in residence together, and okay. uh, it was a Tuesday night at nine o'clock. So if you can imagine a bunch of first year university students, if you don't have a class on Wednesday, it was like pretty drunk a uh, bunch of kids just talking and playing a bunch of songs they liked and it was really fun but now when i think about what it must have sounded like i'm sure it was unlistenable so you don't have any tapes i don't think you know my friend actually unearthed a bunch of our playlists a while ago but he couldn't he said he didn't uh, find any of the actual talking which <laughs> made me very sad so what were you playing back then Oh gosh! Uh, what was called? It's still the college radio playlist. It was like a lot of indie stuff. Okay, I remember we played a lot of Daft Punk for some reason. I mean, I like Daft Punk, but I don't know why we played so much of it. Uh, it's that's a good question. I bet you it's like stuff that I still have sitting on playlists that on my still... old computer. <laughs> like I, it was it was just whatever we were into at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it was. I, I'm kind of glad those things don't exist. I kind of wish I could still hear them, but that mm. was that was my first. I it was me and a bunch of guys 
Okay. So, and which meant it was like me trying to rein in a conversation of a bunch of guys yelling and then me being like, okay, so we're going to talk about this thing. Uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a good learning experience. Any of them uh, on any radio now? It's a good question. You know, I don't. I don't think any of them ended up doing radio. Okay. Some of them ended up in sports broadcasting. Some oh, were doing okay. videography. Some all right. Were, one of them's a drummer. Uh, so there's a whole bunch nice. of a bunch of them all ended up in related fields. But in, yeah, nice. Yeah. So was it uh, Q107 that was your first um, it, proper gig? It was actually the well, Chorus Radio owns the Edge 640 yeah. and Q107. So I. Um, applied i think it was second university i applied for an internship at the edge the edge intern army and okay. uh i kind of applied on a whim is this going to like events and giving out yeah swag? it's the kids you see outside of concerts giving out high fives and okay. like yeah, and yeah. like random samples of stuff okay you know? so that was uh that was what i did first and then somewhere along the line their digital department asked if uh they were trying to design a poster for something, and mm -hmm. they asked if we had any ideas, and I gave them a mock-up of a poster for a contest that never actually ran. Uh, and they said, like, well, do you want to be an intern in the digital department? Okay. So I ended up doing that, and that mm -hmm. was for all three stations. Um, and what, what did that entail? That was, like, social media. Okay. Uh, getting a bunch of radio hosts who never used Twitter on Twitter, which was impossible. I guess this was, like, 2004. 2000, okay. So it was a long time. 2005, maybe? Yeah. Um, and then I worked on... This is, like, early days of social. Yeah. It was, it was, it was hard to convince people that it made any sense to mm -hmm. be on it mm -hmm. uh but we we tried i i worked i did like content management all that kind of stuff okay um and i ended up starting something called indie online which was uh basically a website where bands younger bands could submit their music and okay. they could uh every month i would choose like a band to watch so, and they would come in. So, I think for a while we had them coming in and play a show at the Edge Studio. Yeah. Or we'd like play a song if there's on air. Uh, and I'd go on and talk about them a little bit with like Bookie, who uh, was on the Edge there. Yeah, yeah. Or Fearless Fred, who was on in the afternoons there as well. Okay. Yeah. Any any bands that you remember from, from back then that. Uh... That have, have done it? Uh, yeah. I feel like there was a band called the Elwins. Who are who are doing all right things now? They like okay. we play them on CBC now. I know that they get played on the on indie. Um, there's a bunch of bands that like existed and then reformed in other ways. Sure. So like they don't actually exist anymore, but members of them yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like did good stuff. But uh, yeah, it was it was a really fun project because I think at the time, Toronto, especially radio, was sort of missing that element. There was no. Um, there was nowhere for those bands to go, hmm. which is why I wanted to start it. That's, that's like pre-SoundCloud. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like, it was totally pre-all that stuff. I guess with MySpace, I remember going to a lot of MySpaces to listen to music. Yes. Yeah. Whatever happened to that? I don't know. I think MySpace tried to bring back their music stuff, and it doesn't. They don't really do that anymore. No. <laughs> um so tell me about, you know, so 10 years, more than 10 years ago, you're, you're talking to, to DJs, to hosts, and you're saying, you know, you need to get on this Facebook and this Twitter. Um, how has that changed? How have you seen that 
evolve over over the last decade plus? Um, well, I mean, the great thing is, I think new hosts coming in, they have grown up on the internet, or they they've lived with the internet for a, a long time, such as yourself. Yeah, I, yeah, I got, I think I got Twitter. Gosh, I mean, I remember getting Facebook in my first year of university. It was like the first year you could get it when you could still only get it if you were if in university. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, I just have had it. I didn't grow up with the internet the entire time, but I mean, I remember having it when I was like in grade six. So, the people who are younger than me who are getting into radio now, they've had it their whole lives, and so that's like it's just a given. Like, you have to know how to do social media, and I think one thing you know, people talk about radio being. A dying industry sometimes, uh-huh. which I, I think is total baloney. Uh, but I think social media is, is a wonderful tie-in to radio. I think especially something like Twitter is uh, – Twitter and, and radio go hand in hand because Twitter is so instant. Um, okay. And it can it can do things that radio like – it can kind of give – it can work at the same speed as radio can work at. Mm-hmm. Um which I've always thought is really useful. So it's gone from just like saying like, I remember at a certain point it was like, well, let's use Twitter to tease what's coming up, sure. right? Like in, in, you know, in half an hour, we're going to have this person on, which is still, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. It's useful. It's not the most useful thing you can do with it. The most useful <laughs> thing you can do with it is to be a person and form relationships with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the most valuable thing you can do is if some, if a listener talks to you, is talk back, you know, like that's something that radio couldn't do before. Yeah, uh, is create a two way dialogue, right? And I think that that's this amazing opportunity that that radio now has, and and TV kind of doesn't have that because TV you have this sort of screen in the way you have like you're seeing the person. It's not usually live, and if it is live, they have to like look a certain way they have to be like staring right at the camera mm-hmm. uh on right ra- on the radio i can talk and then in between when i'm talking i can tweet back to people i can read tweets right off the air or right off the uh uh the computer mm-hmm. um there's this freedom it kind of gives you i think uh and and yeah it just lets you like radio so personal anyway twitter kind of lets you continue that and so does instagram and so does facebook you can yeah. sort of it get, lets you be even more personal and keep that relationship, like make that relationship even stronger. Huh. Okay. So let, let's let's pause there about radio. Mm-hmm. Um, so radio is not. A lot of people would argue that radio is dead because of things like uh, social media and digital media. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that people are going to Spotify. Sure. You know YouTube, SoundCloud. Right. You know, t- to get their music, they're going to, they're going to Twitter, to talk with quote unquote celebrities. Um, you know, they're they're going to you know, Instagram Live to see somebody drop their latest record or whatever it is. Yep. Um, why isn't radio dead? I think there's a few reasons, uh, and also just just before I get into that, I think that now the difference is that radio, if it wants to continue to exist, mm-hmm. it can't be just radio. It needs to tie in all those things that you just said. Like it, you need to have. You can't just be a radio station. You have to be. Uh, I guess a, I hate using just the word brand, but you have to be bigger than just a radio station. You, your station should be doing those things like Instagram Live and like doing those all of those other things, making music streams, all that stuff. Yeah. That being said, um, 
I think the reason that radio isn't dead is like, do you have TV at home? I have a television. Yeah. Do you have like cable? I don't have cable. When do you miss having cable? Do you ever miss having cable? I guess I do. And I think I miss it. If I do miss it, um, I probably miss it with live sports. Right. Yeah. See, when I, when I miss having uh, cable, it's when I'm eating dinner. And I don't want to. I don't want to channel surf, or I sorry, I don't want to like pick something. I just want to like put something on, right? Yeah. I want that like element of like. Well, I don't really want to choose. I just want someone to like. I just want something to be there. Yeah. And I think with radio, sometimes like that. Like, have you ever opened your Spotify and you're like, I don't know what to listen to. <laughs> I don't know. Like, there's lots of stuff I could listen to. Yeah. But I don't really want to like. There's almost like too much. Yeah. It's and that's it. Like that's it. Like it sounds. It sounds kind of crazy to say it, but like it's almost like a world of too much choice. And mm-hmm. when you get into that, radio tells you like radio is just like well here's what's on and and there's somebody there who's like this is what's on and i'm with you i'm talking to you i'm yeah. like I'm, I'm i'm doing this with you it's not just like you chose this album and it will play and then it will end and there's no one behind it mm-hmm. um, i think that radio will continue to exist because it does provide company it provides like you don't have to choose and it's somebody with you interesting we're Maybe addicted is the wrong word. I'm not sure. But in our house, all the radios are at, at CBC Radio 1. Yeah. You know, we wake up with... Now, I've had to listen to you so I can understand what you're doing <laughs> sure. at CBC Radio 2. But we, you know, Matt Galloway's on in the morning. You know, sure. And, and I, I can... I You know, after that, it's The Current. Yep. After that, Tom Power is on. Yeah. You know, and there's almost an expectation. Even on the weekends, I know... I'm familiar with the voices. I'm familiar with yes. the, with the programming. Um, so that's, you know, CBC. That's public radio. Um, then there is private broadcasting where I put it on and am I going to get a song or am I going to get a commercial? Yeah. Um, and as much as I enjoy listening to Q, The Edge, uh, Indie 88, um I think there's a, there's a rock station out in Hamilton or something. Y108? Yes. Yeah. As much as I enjoy those stations, it's hit and miss. Yep. You know, I'm not sure it, what I'm going to get. There's a lot of commercials. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. oh, there's, they're playing that, you know, Zeppelin song or they're, or they're playing, uh, you know, my favorite Neil Young song or whatever it is. Um, but then afterwards, it's like, it's whatever. It's random. Too well, random for me. I mean, I think what you're you're getting to is, you know... They're private broadcasters, and a lot of those, a lot of those stations are all owned by the same couple people. And there's this, this, uh, you know, every every quarter, yeah, they have to make bigger profits. It means cutting personality. It means cutting training. It means playing giant, bigger and bigger hits because they know that people will, will listen to them and they won't change the channel. It means more and more commercials. It means more and more like. Uh, branded content or promotional stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So what you're getting is like it gets further and further away from being about the music or being about anything engaging mm-hmm. content-wise, and more into let's throw a bunch of stuff at you that like we can make money off of. Yeah, um, that's my personal opinion on that. Uh, but I think I think I think you're right. I think that is a big problem. I think people respond to integrity, which is what CBC Radio One has. Yeah. Um, 
because because they the most important thing there and they're very fortunate ratings aren't as important because they mm-hmm. are publicly funded yeah um but there's a focus on quality oh for sure yeah definitely for sure um tell me so so you've worked in in, in both sides mm-hmm. of the pond uh, private and public um is there is there a balance on the private side in terms of you know how many commercials or how many minutes per hour of commercials you can get away with that's i feel like that's always changing yeah. um and that really is more of a a decision made by the program directors or the or the general manager mm-hmm. of the station um they do a lot of calculating uh what clock like a clock so a clock mm-hmm. uh is is the if you imagine a, a pie chart yeah uh, divided by hour, how much is talking, how much is commercial, and how much is music. Yeah. Um, and those, I've seen so many people, people, they spend months, like, coming up with new clocks. They're always working on new clocks that they think are going to, you want to get, uh, you want to move your commercials so they're not at the exact same time as your competitors' commercials. They're all on you know, at the same time. Well, you know, like, <laughs> it's all, some, I think sometimes the strategy is, like, let's move them to the same time so that, You'll never switch off of us on commercials to them on music. But then it's also like we don't want them at the same time because it's confusing. This is what I mean. Like they, they, they rejig them all the time because there's all of these different ideas of what strategy will work. Mm-hmm. Um, so putting your news like 10 minutes after the hour instead of right on the hour because then, you know, people switch over yeah. and they want to hear the news or they don't want to hear the news. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not – I actually don't know uh, what the – quota for a number of, I'm sure that there's I bet you there's a regulation that okay. says because the CRTC I mean they sure. regulate a lot of stuff uh, I mean if you had a if you had a station that was just commercials it would probably not be okay fair enough um, but I mean I, I don't know that's I don't know because AM640 runs infomercials like sometimes and I, that's like just a whole a, program that, yeah, yeah that's just commercials so I don't really know how that works yeah. either but um, yeah it's I'm not sure what the what the rule is for that. Yeah. Um, I know when I started at Indie 88, we had no commercials because when you first started. Yeah, because well, we hadn't sold anything yet. <laughs> but it was it was a. Beautiful, I thought you guys were just being nice. <laughs> it was a beautiful, glorious time. Well, it was funny because people were like, "Oh man, you used to have no commercials," and I was like, "Well." I know. Like, we all would love to have no commercials, but, like, none of us will get paid or be able to keep this going if we have no commercials ever. So there's no, like, rich philanthropist that's... If if I ever won somehow, like, millions of dollars in a lottery, I feel like I would I would love to start a radio station and just just do what I wanted. Commercial-free. Yeah, commercial-free or, like, just a couple just a couple commercials here and there yeah. and play the music I actually liked. Okay, so <laughs> when did... When did when did music um, stop being controlled by what I used to call the DJs, and now by a program director? Before me, Before. Um, I, it's that was one of the great disillusionments when I like started in radio. Yeah. That and finding out that uh, countdowns sometimes are not completely voted on by listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that at the end when I found out that like. The Thursday Thirty wasn't uh, wasn't entirely decided by listeners. Which should... okay, well now that you've opened that uh, that Pandora's box, tell me how is it decided? It's you know what it's a lot of different things. It's okay. like charts and uh, 
It, there's some, some, it is voting as part of it, but it's yeah. not all of it. And they're very careful to say that it's not all. They don't ever say that that's all of it if you listen on air. But uh, it's, it's interesting because, like, obviously you think it is. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of different things that go into that. And some of it is charts. Some of it's music meetings. So, like, music meetings, you would sit and you'd listen to stuff and you decide what, you know, is going to get played more and what's going to get played less. Yeah. Um, if it does make you feel better, I was on the music committee for at the edge and at Indie 88. Uh, so I did, I at least, if I couldn't choose every song in my show, mm. I was at least helping choose what we played. You were helping to choose a lot of Arcade Fire. <laughs> yeah, I love, you know, I love Arcade Fire. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know when that stopped. And I think some are, I think some DJs, like legacy DJs still get to pick more of their really? own stuff. Like, I know Bookie at uh, Indie 88 for his Saturday night, or Sunday Night Rock show gets to choose a good chunk of his music mm-hmm. and you sort of work around some of the current rotation songs that you're trying to get in a certain number a week and then he can pick what's what's the reasoning behind that behind music being programmed what's the reasoning behind that well there are i mean really it's to hold on to listeners is really the mm-hmm. the overall goal if you have a say you have a new song a new song, I don't know, say it's like Cage the Elephant comes out with a new song. Mm-hmm. And you know it's probably going to be a big song. Yeah. But it's brand new and no one's heard it yet. Mm-hmm. You want to spin it enough times uh, in, a, in a given week that people are going to hear it and it's going to become familiar. Uh, because people will, as much as it hurts to mm. know and say as a music fan, yeah. if people don't know a song, they'll change the channel. And that's like been proven... Time and time again, okay. Uh, through research, yeah. Um, so if you, what your goal is, is to make it familiar without burning it out, uh, and and so, you know, if another station, if other stations are also playing it a lot, then yeah. burnout happens faster. Mm. Then songs get dropped, uh, or they don't. They just stay on. I don't know. Sometimes they just stay on air forever and ever, as I'm sure you've noticed with certain, yeah. certain things. But yeah, that's sort of the idea behind it. It's like you want. Basically, you want to make sure that songs are familiar enough that people don't feel completely lost. Um, and it's nice to have a good balance where you can say, like, here's a familiar song. Yeah. Then here's, like, a new song by a new artist. But you you listen to the station. You trust that we're not going to just play you a bunch of unfamiliar stuff. You're, we're going to go back to another familiar song you probably know after that. Mm-hmm. So you'll stick around for those unfamiliar songs yeah. and hopefully learn those and they'll become more familiar and... That way, you can introduce new music um, without it being alienating to people who aren't listening all the time. Because if you're listening all the time, obviously you're going to get sick of stuff. Sure. But most people aren't listening all the time. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's 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 get back to to uh, Reina stuff here. Um, you're doing a lot of the digital stuff, social media. Mm-hmm. Um, promotions on site Mm -hmm. when was your first time on air after you graduated Um, do you remember that time i i do actually i remember it was when i was doing the uh, digital stuff and i was working on that indie online band indie band thing and bookie um who worked at the edgy now works at indie 88 he said you know why don't you come on and talk about the band of the month that you've chosen Okay. And he had me on. I was so nervous. When he started at Indie 88, actually, like a couple of years ago now, 
I remember him coming in for his first day, and I was on. Weren't you his boss or something? I wasn't his boss. No, no, no. Um, I was not his boss. I feel like Bookie doesn't even, like, have bosses. He's just, like, his own guy. (laughs) Um, But I remember him being like, remember when you were so nervous that day? And now look, like, he's like, I'm coming on. Like, he was in the, he was the midday guy, and I was, like, afternoons. And then I switched to mornings, and it was just, you know, it was so funny, like, making that whole. Wow. Um, But, yes, that was, I, I. was on air with him, and then I was did the same stuff with Fearless Fred. And the way that I actually got on air is ridiculous. It was uh, I didn't tell. I guess no one told the boss at the Edge that mm-hmm. I was on both shows. Like I would come on oh, twice a week. That's a big. Well, he didn't know that I was even doing it like once. And one day, one of my bosses was like, "Rena, you know, the program director wants to talk to you." And I, I was really nervous. And he's like, so I hear you've been on with Bookie and with Fred. And I was like, uh-huh. He's like, you know, you're really not supposed to do that. Like, you're supposed to check with me before you go on air. And I was like, well, they said it was fine. I like, I kind of thought it was okay. And he says, well, you know, you should have asked, but you sound really good. Would you like to try okay. doing an overnight shift? Nice. <laughs> and so that's how that started. And that was sort of your first regular... And then, yeah, then I did a bunch of overnights, and then I ended up doing evening weekends. Oh, awesome. Filling in when people were away and stuff like that. So what was it? So I, I heard that something you did, you got you got fired. I did get fired. What, what, what was it that you did? Uh, I was very young, and I <laughs> was kind of... Kind of irresponsible. There were a bunch of reasons I got fired, and I could have gotten fired for any of them on their own. There, I slept. I slept through a shift. I was partying. Did you, wait, did you sleep while you were like at the station? And you just fell fall asleep or? once. <laughs> <laughs> if, I think I was twenty one. Um, so it was ten years ago. Uh, I don't think I can get in trouble for this anymore. I hope. Uh, and yeah, there was that. I, I one time I was supposed to cover for somebody, and I didn't show up. Whoa! I know it was bad. I mean, I think you know what I had been. I'd been working there for a long time, and I was. I was thinking I was frustrated with a lot of stuff. Uh, not blaming it on any. It was totally my own fault. But I think there was like, it wasn't just me being like I don't care. It was. I think I was. Uh, I was also. I was trying. I was looking for other jobs at the time too. And uh, <laughs> okay. but uh, yeah, it 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 was totally my fault. Uh, I was just very irresponsible. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Falling asleep on air. Yeah, it was. I set off the alarm. I, I was like, I think it was between. It was between some commercials, and I was like, I'll just put my head down and set my alarm for like. I have like I have fifteen minutes, so I have to be on air again. There's no producer like on the other side. I always hear no, there's no, this glass. You're all alone. You're all alone. Okay. It was an overnight shift. No, it was a morning show. I forget. Anyway, so what, what happens? Is, is it just dead air? It was just dead air for, for a how really long? long time. I don't know. Someone knocked on the door, and they're oh, like, shot. <laughs> It was during a Red Hot Chili Peppers song. It was it was uh, not my proudest moment as a broadcast professional. But you know what? In a in a positive way, after that happened and I got fired, I was really sad and I was like, maybe I'm never going to be back in radio again. And you know, I, I deserved I deserved it. Um, was there really that fear they wouldn't be back in radio? I think I kind of I was just like, well, you know, maybe I don't love this enough. Like maybe that's part of the reason I like kind of huh. screwed it up and like. Uh, and then I went away. I went on tour with my boyfriend at the time, his band. We went we went away for a while, and I came back, and uh, a friend of mine was working at CBC Radio 3, and he had me on for an interview, and I remember being in the studio and being like, oh, my God, I need to, like, do this. You want to get back in. And I miss it. And and doing being stupid and getting fired of being stupid 
it taught me to not be stupid anymore. No more. <laughs> yeah, I really did. I learned a big lesson, and uh, I, I think take it, naps at home, not take in the naps studio. at home. And uh, it was all yeah. I think it was, it was just like take this seriously, or there are consequences. Huh? You know. So. So I. I think I've heard of CBC Radio 3, but what is CBC Radio 3? CBC Radio 3 is an online and satellite station. Okay. And it's all Canadian, all independent music. Ah. Yeah, it's really fun. I worked there for about a year before I worked at Indie 88. I remember that now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's wonderful. I I mean, it's changed a lot. There were a lot of budget cuts um, about four years ago when I was there. Mm -hmm. Right after I left, a lot of people ended up getting laid off, and they took hosts off of CBC 3. Uh, it was sort of like a cult following kind okay. of thing. Like it was, it was really loved by its audience, but I guess its audience just wasn't quite big enough. It wasn't massive. Yeah. Um, so now it's mostly just music. Um, so there no are no host, regular just, hosts just, on it anymore. Okay. Uh, there's a podcast, which is that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hosted by Louise Burns right now. It's usually Grant Lawrence who's on paternity leave. Um, who's he's been there for. Since like the beginning of Radio Three, okay, yeah, but that's what it is. It's it's really amazing. It like does a lot to support Canadian indie music, so it's like a very special thing. What's your preference, public or private? They're so different. I think <laughs> they are so different. I think there's like oh, there's a lot of positives about both. Um, okay, why did you leave indie to go to CBC Radio Two then? I left indie to go to CBC because I mean, working for the CBC has always been like a long term dream. Okay. Um, and the fact is, like, at the CBC... You had to you, find Andy Berry and thank him. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. At the CBC, you can do anything. The sky's the limit. You can, you can make... You can make anything. You can, you can make a documentary. You can make... Uh, they, su- they support so many different kinds of, uh, of projects. Um, I wanted to do... I wanted to try doing on-screen stuff. Um, I'm doing some TV stuff now. Um, and, and I wanted to, I mean, ultimately, you know, to be, to be on radio one would be amazing. I I love radio too. It's, it's national. Like that's another thing. It's like, you're, it's, it's, mm. it's just bigger, you know, it's, yeah. you can do these things that you can't do, uh, in private radio as easily. Plus, you know, there's, there are no commercials, commercials, and there is a level of integrity to it that I really believe in. Yeah. Um, I think that whether... Uh, or not you always agree with the decisions people make you know that they're making them for like the right reasons people want to do a good thing and build something that is uh that they can feel proud of um and it's not based on how many commercials can we sell yeah um and i think that that's something that really appeals to me it's uh i really like that level of integrity mm-hmm. um that being said you know commercial radio is really fun you don't uh, it's not as serious. You can, uh, you, okay. you know, it, you uh, you can say a lot more. You know, I, on, on Indie 88, I could say anything yeah. pretty much politics-wise, like within reason. Sure. Um, and at the CBC, you can't, you have to be a little bit more sensitive. You're, you're speaking to the whole country. Mm-hmm. Uh you are being funded by taxpayers. You, yeah. You need to keep that in mind. You're serving uh, the public. You're not just entertaining the public. Um, Do you get to play your own music? I don't right now. Okay. Um, but I, you know, I have some input. Like, it's not, it's a lot like at indie. Like, I have. It sounds very indie. 
the radio too. Yeah. Yes. Like the, your morning show. Yeah. It's I I do have some input and and it is uh, they do have a focus on playing Canadian music that's not mainstream. Yeah. Uh, which I think is it's so important. Like this country needs that. Uh-huh. Uh huh. There's enough stations playing American hits. Sure. You know. So. Let's go back to Indie eighty eight. Um, were you ner- so where where were you before Indie eighty eight? You were at CBC three. Radio three. Yeah. Um, so it's not a huge leap going to a brand new station, but that must have been exciting. It was exciting. It was very, yeah. it was very scary. I uh, calling my mom to say, I'm leaving the CBC uh-huh. to go to a station that doesn't exist yet. <laughs> she was like, why? <laughs> um, but you know, that's a once in a lifetime experience to, of course. to start a radio station in like the 2000 like it was like 2012 2013 like to start a new radio station yeah in this like era is doesn't happen very often and especially a station that was playing the music i liked yeah um i my boss there uh adam thompson who's wonderful who works at sonic in edmonton now he called me emailed me i've hassled the people who run indie 88 for like a year so I was like, hey, I hear you're starting a radio station. Like, oh, wow. Okay. Do you need anybody? Um, and he called me and he was like, we're interested in having you as a music director and our afternoon wow. host. Wow. Um, and and obviously that was terrifying. Because sure. I didn't know what I was doing. I uh, just fell asleep and you want me to run your station? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you know what happened two years ago? Um, and I mean, I was working at, you know, an online indie station yeah but i was also run i I did do um this interview series out of my house during that time Mm -hmm. after i got fired from the edge i was running this series called rain's world which is like a video interview series where i brought bands in and did interviews in my house so there was also that like i had a lot of this is before strombo was doing this yeah yeah way before strombo was doing this (laughs) Uh, (laughs) this is my idea um uh, but yeah, I had them in my house and I like, we would, we, but we, we, I wouldn't make them play. We would just, just chat. hang out. No, we would like, I would make them do stuff like make me a grilled cheese sandwich. Or I remember I had pup in to like show me a, a board game that they made. Uh, huh. I had, I had like all sorts of bands in to like do just, we, I played the Darcy's came in to play Ouija, like stuff like that. Wow. Was, yeah. <laughs> Tokyo police club came over. They made me have a grilled cheese sandwich. That was what we did that day um but so i guess he'd seen those and then he saw what i was doing at cbc3 and he asked if i could um come over and it was very scary but i was so it was so exciting it was like it was just it was amazing i loved it it was uh it was like one of the best decisions i've ever made it Hmm. was so cool and it was so much fun yeah um yeah i don't even know what to like (laughs) what to say about that so you guys were in a house Yep. Like, are so you in a house? They still are there now. Are you in a house, like, beside other people living? They're in, it's basically a townhouse. So it's, like, connected to houses on either side. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so there's people who live, like, beside yeah. the Indie 88 studio. Who, at the very beginning, we had to turn down our speakers. Like, we had to, like, change the limiter on the speakers because we were turning it up too loud and leaving them on overnight. And people were of course. really angry. These party animals. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like, you know what it was like? It was like what you imagine... A radio station being like like from a movie from you know the eighties or something like sure. it's it's and at the beginning you know we did get to choose a lot of our own music because it was like this there was a month where we were just testing the signal 
and I got to have people in to do this thing called the Throne of Glory, um, and it was like guests would come in with their own play. Like I had Ed the Sock came in with a playlist, and I would co-host with him for an hour. Oh, um, I remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was like stuff like that, and it was really fun. It was it was just such an exciting, crazy thing yeah. to be a part of. That was that must have been really really neat. It was. Um, one of my favorite things that you guys did. And I think it was when Reflector came out mm-hmm. by Arcade Fire. You played that song like over and over for like a, a an hour. Was it an hour? Yeah. Okay. Was it a day? I was there that night. Yeah. yeah. What um, was that? So my boss and I were there. It was just us. Yeah. Uh, and and Reflector dropped, and it was a huge deal. I mean, Arcade Fire, especially then, was even bigger than they are. Like they were. It was just they were like peak Arcade Fire at the time. Yeah. And um, it was so anticipated, and we got it, and we played it. We're like, let's play it again. Like, what if someone missed it? Like, let's play it again. And we played it, I think, four times in a row, and which is unheard of now. Like that, the same song over and over. Yeah, and, and they used like people used to think, like, oh, it's so nice, we'll play it twice. Kind of like that yeah. old radio thing. But like people don't do that anymore. You can't get away with doing that anymore. And like, we did it, and it was super fun. And I think I think that's one thing that like that radio now. Everyone is so worried about losing a listener yeah. all the time yeah. that they don't take risks. There's not a lot of risk taking that happens. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you might lose a listener, but you could also gain like incredibly faithful listeners by taking risks. You know, yeah. like that's something that builds, builds, um, a care, like it builds your reputation. It builds your brand. It builds, um, your, your character, in your relationship with the audience. If if you show them that you're real and you show them that there's like somebody actually there who loves the music and mm-hmm. wants to be like, this is a huge deal. Let's play this again. Like, let's do something crazy and you're here for it and that's special. Like, yeah, you're yeah. listening to this. So like, that was, um, yeah, that was a really, it was, it was just him and I and he did it and I was like, this is nuts and then he just kept playing it. And I think it was around the fourth one where he's like, okay, that's probably enough. Because it was a long song, yeah, it's like five or six minutes long. Yeah, <laughs> um, Alan Cross was was working with you guys. He was for yeah. the longest time, uh, and then he bolts for yeah, goes back to the edge. <laughs> that's true. That was that sucked. It uh, yeah, it was. It did, what did suck. You, what, did, what did you guys learn from him? I'm curious because he's like an icon in uh, in in the music industry, um, in radio, in Toronto. You know. He wasn't in very often. Okay. Um, I assume that the program director and him talked about stuff sometimes. I know that he uh, he seemed very excited by the whole thing, um, and I think he was he was unhappy with how he'd been treated by the edge, and oh, okay. uh, <laughs> and. I, I I actually don't know. I can't. That's a hard question to answer because yeah. I think that was something that um, no one really saw him just getting up and leaving. And I think it was like sort of a, a feeling of like, why? <laughs> what just <laughs> happened? Um, like, I mean, nice enough guy, but uh, it was a confusing move that I think for all of us there, we were just like, what? Why were you here? If, mm. Like, you just wanted to go back was really what it felt yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I've been listening to, uh, 
it's it's a new podcast for me, but the Rolling Stone podcast. Okay. And um, I actually haven't listened to it. You know what? It's okay. I think I'm just uh, attracted to the brand, and I'm trying to see if there's sure. really interesting stuff. Like the you know there was a Tom Petty interview, Neil Young, um, you know U two, um, but they had this one episode, and I found it intriguing to listen to, and it was called Rock and Roll Is Dead. And so there was three or four hosts on, and they're all describing why rock and roll is dead and has been dead for many, many years. Interesting. It was very interesting. And as I'm listening to them, I go, I'm thinking in my head, you're in such a bubble in, I don't know where you are at it. I don't know if they're in New York or somewhere, but they're in such a bubble and not even New York as a bubble, but like their own personal playlist. Yeah. Bubble. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I just finished listening to hours of july talk yeah you know a a, a hot newish band rock and roll's not dead radio stations are just afraid to play it yeah because it doesn't sound like classic rock and it doesn't sound safe hmm. i think you know there's lots of incredible rock and roll coming out of even just toronto and i guess maybe you couldn't call it maybe you don't call it rock and roll because it's probably a little bit louder a little bit more experimental a little bit yeah. noisier sure but i mean i don't think that rock and roll is dead. I think it just sounds different, and it doesn't sound as palatable to mm-hmm. people who are familiar with, like, people who are like, the Beatles are the end-all, be-all of, ev- of everything. Sure. You know, because, um, yeah, you're probably not going to love something like Pup or something like uh, Dilly Dally, which are, like, two Toronto bands that are just, like, crushing it right now. Yeah. Um, there's, there's so much music that is is dangerous and cool that is coming out right mm-hmm. now that um and i i think about this all the time i don't know what the answer is because the world has gotten i think the thing is like music has gotten very niche with the internet it's the internet's this beautiful thing it's like yeah. it's democratized the music industry because yeah. anyone could put their music up sure but it's also uh put everything made everything so small like if you you could find any genre any tiny specific sub genre category of music that you want yeah um so say you're gonna play one of those on the radio which is a mass medium you're it's it's difficult like it's it's how do you do that and make sure that you know you you never want as much as i don't believe in always playing like mainstream stuff and, and you're taking risks you do have to be conscious of the fact that, like, you can alienate people and they may not come back. Yeah. So it's, like, finding that balance, right? So uh-huh. if you play, like, real freaky stuff, unless it's on, like, <laughs> a show that is about real freaky stuff, yeah. Um, then you do risk losing losing listeners. And uh, and I guess that's that's part of it. If When rock and roll first became a thing, radio was the only place you found new music. Right, like when rock and roll started, the yeah. only time, the only place you could go to listen to new music was turning on your radio. So, mm, yeah. rock and roll started as like a a big wave, uh, and now it's like in t- a bunch of tiny little waves, and it's uh, there is a bunch of tiny waves. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's and you can't, you know, saying rock and roll is dead. It's like sure, yeah, you're not going to have that giant wave again because it's just not the way media works anymore. Yeah. But there's still rocks, like, but, I call them rock stations. You know, I, I call, I mean, obviously Q, uh, Power 108. But, like, 21 Pilots isn't rock and roll. No, yeah, that's weird. Like, that's, like, <laughs> 21 Pilots is, like, manufactured, like, fake music. Yeah. And 
like masquerading. Very poppy. <laughs> very poppy. Masquerading is rock and roll. And like that's why, like, you know, if, you, if you're, if you're going to judge rock on that, then yeah, rock's dead. It was funny because they, they used that example as a rock band. Yeah, it's not a rock band. <laughs> if you listen to their songs, it's not a rock band at all. Like, no. All their songs sound completely different. They all sound like different genres. It's like yeah, it, they're all manufactured to be different sellable items. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, sure. If you look at it that way, rock's dead. But if you sure. look at it in the way that there's like this huge underground of music coming out all over, like the internet, yeah, coming out and still being played in, in like the city and like at shows, rock and roll's not dead at all. In no. fact, more people than ever are allowed to play it. I think so, and and I think you're right about sort of you know all these niches of music because, um, you know, again, we can go back to CBC, but you could you listen to their listen listen to radio stations. Um, and and they, they I think CBC Radio One has a um, an Aboriginal or Indigenous show, and you and you'll hear throat singing. Yeah. On there, um, is it uh, a tribe called Red? Is that? I love a tribe called Red. Yeah. They're just amazing. They're incredible. You know, and and you wouldn't hear them ten twenty years well, ago. Well, the wonderful thing about a station like CBC uh, Radio One, and to a certain extent Radio Two as well, is that like because they have the ability to have different shows. Yeah. They can provide context mm-hmm. for different kinds of music. Uh, which means that you can play something that is wacky and weird or different or niche or whatever. Yeah. And you can tell people why it's important. And you can, like, take the time to explain this is what this is. This is what's cool about it. Like an old, like, like a radio show that you would have back in like the golden days of radio when sure. people could pick their own music and give context to the music they were playing mm-hmm. then you can play all sorts of things right but if you're if you have a, a station that's like we play top 40 or we play new rock and we play this is our genre yeah. and that is it and we let our toast talk for 20 seconds cuz any longer people turn it off yeah and we have to make room for all these commercials then yeah you can't play anything interesting because you can't explain anything you can't give context mm. to anything yeah yeah, I really love uh, Randy Bachman's show, Vinyl Tap. Yes. It's just amazing. Just the stories that yeah. come out, you know, that he knows or that he's experienced. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it really does. You connect with the music in a different way, right? Do you have any uh, mentors in, in broadcasting and radio? Um, I have, you know, I have um, my, my old boss who I worked with at Indy, who was the program director there, Adam. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he, like, was a huge, huge huge influence for me like he just taught me how to be a radio person (laughs) like he taught me how to be just better at everything that i do um and uh i have a talent coach now that i also really love named amma keegan who's at cbc radio too what is a talent coach Uh, well she's she's i guess it's not it's not her actual that's not her actual job title at all but that's what she sort of is for (laughs) that's what she is to you the the job titles at cbc are confusing and i feel like i just probably insulted someone uh but it's she does a lot of things but one of the things is she helps helps develop uh me as a broadcaster so like she like she takes me through air checks which is like when you play um your a talk break and then she'll critique it and like teach you she'll ask you questions and like that must be so hard it's it's hard but it's uh I mean, that's the only way you learn, right? It's yeah. like having a... Because otherwise, you're just talking into the void. Sure. <laughs> Unless anyone ever writes to you, I guess. Um, and who else? Let me think. I feel like they... I mean, there there must be, and it's sad that I can't think of any. It was weird, because when I was starting, there weren't a lot of women uh, hmm. uh, when I, in rock radio. 
Um, sure. Yeah. And so that was something that I, I just, I didn't, I really didn't have a lot of like role models that way, which is kind of a sad was that was say. that hard? Was that um, yeah? I mean, it was hard because it was like because you don't see anybody quote unquote like you, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think it was I didn't know you know who to, who to ask for advice or who to even like listen to to get an idea of what I was supposed to do. Yeah. Um. So that was it was challenging. I just had somebody and then I friggin' lost. Them. <laughs> That's so sad. What just happened? Let me think. I'll come back to it. Um. Is who who's doing a show on radio? Oh wait, I remember. That... It was Carol Off, CBC Radio One. Yes, she's uh, as it happens. As it happens, she is the coolest. Like I've never met her. I'm okay. afraid to meet her. You're like afraid. I'm so nervous because she's she's amazing. She's a she's a journalist and she does interviews. She doesn't do the same thing that I do, but the way that she interviews people and she takes no can I swear? Yeah, she takes no shit from anyone like she's so but she never is she never comes off as being mean or rude she just like won't let people get away with stuff but then she still like has a great sense of humor and it's very like she just comes off as informed and smart and i find her like so i think she's so amazing that's a really cool show i mean she'll talk i've heard shows where she's you know spoken to somebody who's going the biggest pumpkin yeah at the fall fair and then she'll talk to someone who like you know saw like is like a refugee who, yeah, who, or or whatever, something very serious. Yes, and 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 she has the same amount of she takes like you can, the same amount of preparation and the same amount of uh, of uh, of work goes into everything. You know, it's it's just she's incredible. Is that the type of show that you'd like to do? I'm not sure. I mean, I do miss doing interviews. That's like something that I do miss from mm-hmm. uh, before. I don't know, you know, I don't have a background in journalism, and so I'm not sure if that's where I will end up going. Uh-huh. But it is something that, I mean, I love interviewing. It's something that I do mm-hmm. like to do. Um, I can see myself doing something more along the lines of, like, uh, a Strombo sort of thing. Okay. Um, like his three-hour music journey? Kind of like that, yeah. But like with, yeah, with, like, interviews and, like, uh, yeah. and... and or you know, I like doing like even a a late night talk show would be the coolest thing in the world. But that's I don't know if those can even be successful anymore in on Canada. the radio or TV. or on TV anywhere. I don't know. Yeah, like, remember like I feel like TV. It's never we've never had a successful one. You know what's so? I, I know he's in the news not for the right reasons, but Mike Bullard. Yeah, when he was on, was it CTV that he was on? He had his own talk show. But when, yeah. when he had his own talk show. Um, I thought he was brilliant. He, I mean, he made it work, which I think nobody has done that. He's the only one. I mean, Ralph Ben-Mirgi tried. I don't think he's Jonathan Torrance was excellent when he did his, it was an afternoon show for teens. But remember that? Do you remember the Jono Vision? No. On CBC? Oh, my gosh. Okay, there's an idol. There's somebody who was a role model. I love him. (laughs) Yeah, I really did. I, I watched so much of that show. No, I say I, again. I, I, I'm not a huge TV person. Yeah, outside I, of Netflix now, like I'm addicted to that stuff now. Oh gosh, yeah, I know. <laughs> what are you watching right now? Uh, right now, I'm I'm watching something old. Skins. It's an I've old English. She get on Riverdale. It's terrible, but it's addictive. every Friday. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's bad. TV. It's so bad, but it's, it is I not can't the, stop watching it. It is not the Archie I, that I grew up with. I know, but it's 
It's like I can't. I know I hate it. I hate it. Like the whole time, I'm like, "That's so dumb. That's so stupid." And then, like, I need the next week. <laughs> Friday when it yeah. comes on. <laughs> yeah, so I, I am caught up to that. I'll, I'll admit. See, yeah. everybody is. It, everybody is watching this show. It's, it's weird. It is very strange. <laughs> and it's like it's clearly for like children. It's like a teenager's show. It like, is. It's nine hundred two one zero meets something. I don't know. Every what it is. adult I know is watching it. It's oh my very goodness, good. that is scary. <laughs> um. You know what show that I've watched on there that doesn't get enough kudos is The Get Down. Wait. The get Why do I feel like I've watched that? That was almost like the beginning of rap. New York, Brooklyn. Oh, no, I haven't seen it. Oh, my goodness. You okay, need, I'll check this, it out. This is before everyone got so excited about Stranger Things. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Which, was, which was good. Yeah. But the get, I watched The Get Down, and right after I watched Stranger Things. So that just See, mass culture is still happening. We just do it on our own time. We just do it differently. Too busy. You got get the get down. Okay. It, cool. I I thought it was uh, just an amazing television show. I'll check it out. It's really really good. Um, who is doing? Um, if 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 your boss came to you or the head of CBC Radio, I don't know if it's the head of CBC Radio Two or One, mm-hmm. but that person comes to you and says, "Raina, um, you just won the lottery today. Mm. Pick a show." Ooh. What, what show? So if you could pick to be to take over someone's show or to do that or to create your own. Forget about creating your own show. You, you want to do talk. But if you could take over someone's show, whose show would you take over? Gosh. That's a really hard question. I, I there's, I, there's so many different ones for different reasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tom Power is a very good friend. But, <laughs> you've, already, you've already taken over one of his shows. But Q, I mean, Q is a fun one. It's, it's to me, it's like, it's especially now. I feel like what they're doing with it now, it sounds really fresh and exciting and new. And he I has really, made it his own, eh? I really like, I really like what it. I don't, I don't want to kick Fred off, the, or I don't want to kick uh, Tom off that show. I, uh, I love what he's up to, but man, that would be a fun one to do. Um, there is something appealing to me about. I love the idea of being national, but like the Toronto sort of like Metro Morning and yeah. here and now. Like I love Toronto. I yeah. really love Toronto a lot. And one thing that uh, if you're on a national show in Canada, you can't do is fan out about how much you love Toronto no, ever because people do not like that. They um, don't. And I kind of miss doing that. I really, I really love the city, and I think you know doing um, as much as I like being national. Yeah. There is something nice about about doing a local show. Um, here and now would be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, that's the afternoon show. The that afternoon they have, show, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, for sure. But I don't know. I mean, there's. I, have you heard out in the open? Pia Chattopadhyay show. Well, I know the the host name. No, out in the open. What is that about? Out in the open. She uh, she just it's like different. It's almost like a podcast in, in the way that she like goes. She like examines sort of different topics each week and like okay. brings in people who tell stories and stuff. And and I think that's sort of the direction things are kind of. The podcasts are just having like a huge moment right now. Massive. And, and the newer shows on CBC, you can hear that influence on them and that's like a very interesting if you can hook me up with uh, connie walker to come in she's amazing oh my goodness have you been listening to um, i've heard her oh that's it's a uh, beautiful i was so sad that it, there was an end to it because i think that can just continue on it was so well done and on she did an amazing job mm-hmm. with uh, with that podcast yeah podcasts there are you know it's a big it's a big thing right now for yeah. CBC, and they're they're making some really really cool stuff. Yeah. So, um, 
It's interesting. It's 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 weird, right? Because I I think it's all to me. I guess I just started at the CBC in October. Um, okay. After three years at Indie, and I still find it kind of overwhelming. Like it's very exciting, and I love being there, and I want to do like everything. Uh, <laughs> but when you ask me like, what's the thing you want to do? It's like everything. I don't know. I want to try it all. Like it's uh, it's. It's it's a hard thing. Like I know, I know that I yes, I would like to be on Radio One. I guess uh, eventually, but I still. Well, I Matt love... Galloway has to retire sometime. Right? <laughs> I you know I still have it. we tweet to each other all the time. Okay. I've never met him in real life. No. And I'm so I'm so nervous. I'm such a big fan. Are you work at the same time? I know. In the same building. Is I it? know. He's but he's a floor. He's on like the next floor up. So I, I've seen him. So listen, you know that there's music for like 15 minutes because you're not like quickly. What, what am I supposed to do? Just go like sneak into his into Quickly his go down, wave to him, <laughs> and then just run back up. I, uh, it's, I think it's just right now, to me, it's, you know, a lot of people have asked me like, what do you, you want to do? And I'm like, I know you're not supposed to say I don't know because it's like, it's the worst answer you can give. But it's, I just feel so excited by just everything that's happening yeah. there that like, and everything that's sort of possible there. Um, and even like, and, and on, like, I know I said being on CBC Radio would be great, but like CBC Radio 2, there's so much possibility there. It's a national music station and, yeah. and I want to, uh, I want to see what I can do with it. Like, I'm really excited about, about this show right now and mm-hmm. what, what I can make it into. Yeah. Uh, now that I'm sort of, I've learned the ropes of it, which is, is still where I'm at right now. It's like still just taking over and figuring out how it all works. Um, but I feel like the sky's the limit. That's why I went to the CBC to begin with. Because like you, you really can do almost anything. You talked earlier about uh, being on TV at CBC. Yeah, so I just started. Um, it's you know I don't even know what it's it's these uh, little sort of shorts where I talk about new music that you can hear. Uh, like it's a new song every week. Okay. Uh, that I'm like listen to this song. It's great. An, and why is this an online thing? It's or? Uh, oh, it's on television, and it's. Um, it is in all the different, like, it's across the country. So, okay. yeah. So I just started that last week. So I haven't even seen it on air yet. Like, I don't. Like, when would, when would it show? I, I'm not even sure what okay. time it's on. I, I asked them that, and they're like, it's all, like, sort of different times. So I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I'm. And what is it called again? They, it's called Monday Music Picks when we're writing it. I don't know if it, like I don't know if it shows a name when it's on the TV. Like I think it's it's quite oh, okay. short. It's I think like two minutes and thirty seconds long. Ah. So and it shows up in between things. In between shows, probably. Yeah. So uh, I haven't I haven't even gotten to see it. I'm very okay. excited. Uh, yeah. But it's you know that's like a I did the Christmas special uh, on on Christmas Day. I did like the on okay. CB, on like CBT television right before right after the Queen's address. Which oh, wow. was like thrilling for my whole family. <laughs> I didn't realize it was going to be airing right after that, and I was just like, "Did you tape it beforehand, or?" Is... Uh, yeah, we taped it like in November. Oh wow! Yeah, to wear festive Christmas clothes and coming in, <laughs> and like it was so weird. Um, but it, yeah, it's like that's like a whole new crazy. That's neat challenge. Yeah, like that's such a such a neat thing. So I mean, I really feel like this is such a time of flux for like media in general that like mm-hmm. I don't like to say, well, this is exactly what I want to be doing because my entire career I never really knew for sure what I wanted to be doing. Yeah. I was just like just do stuff, like do as much stuff and and say yes to things and like see where you go. Yeah. Um Let me end off here. Um you know, you you talked earlier about 
um, you know, as you were coming up in radio, there was really, you know, outside of Carol Off, there's no sort of woman in broadcast in, in, in radio that you could look at. Um, there, there are some, but they weren't in the world I was in. Rock yeah, radio, rock radio specifically, yeah. So, so let me ask you: Do you do you do you see yourself as as a role model? I I would like to be more. I think that like when I I have like done. I've worked with younger women who are trying to get into it. I try to support them when I can. Uh-huh. Um, it it's a uh, it's a hard thing because again, like the one weird thing about being in radio is that, you know, you spend your, your biggest working hours every day. You're like in a room by yourself. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's a very like sort of closed off environment sometimes. And I think it, you have to make a real effort to open up and, uh, mentor people and be mentored and, and, and ask for those opportunities I think the last few months, because this is all new to me, I've been like completely self-centered and like completely yeah. in my own world. Um, but as this goes on, yeah, I, I think you know, and part of it too is like it, I need, I want to ask for for that kind of mentorship. Like uh, I want to like email Connie Walker, or Carol off, and be like, "Hey, I think you're really great. Like, can <laughs> can we have a coffee? Yeah, um, because I think, yeah, it's it's. It's ongoing, first of all. But, yeah, I think, like, I don't know totally how to mentor someone else yet. And mm. I would like to. I think, like, what I try to do is whenever uh, a young woman or even, like, I mean, really, if a young guy asks me to mentor them, that's yeah. also awesome. Because there weren't, when I was growing up, or when I was coming up in this, young guys weren't going to women in the industry and asking them sure. for help. You know, so, like, I want to help any young person who wants to do this. Also, if you're, like, a young person now who's, like, I want to go into freaking terrestrial radio, I'm, like, yay. I want to, like, I want to help you because, you, you want know, to tell them no. Stay no, away. I want to. Yeah. You won't make any money for a very long time. Yeah. But then you'll get a job that you love. And you'll always have fun. Yeah. That's the thing. It's, like, that's what you're not getting that's paid for. That's what it's for. Yeah. That's what it's for. I said I'd end off on that, but I need, I, I need to ask you. No, I need to, and you tell me if Kareem, I need to get to bed because I know you have to be up. Oh, it's okay. Really, no really worries. good. Um, you love Toronto. Mm. What's your favorite neighborhood? Mm. Kensington Market. Why? Um, I, I mean, I, I live in Parkdale now, but I lived in Kensington Market for, I think, six years. Okay. And I just, it's magical. Like, I feel like, I remember coming there for the first time when I was in high school. And not understanding that a place like that could exist. I'm from, you know, Stouffville-ish, outside of Markham, like up like an hour out of the city, yeah. at least. And um, it was like this magical, graffitied place full of potheads and art and like health food stores and incense and vintage stores and cool, weird restaurants and bars and like everything's so smushed together. I just didn't know a place could be like that. And I think... It's one of the places in the city that has resisted complete gentrification. Yeah. That, uh, it carries so much character still and has such a history. And it feels so vibrant and alive. And I, I think people... It, I feel, like, artistically and creatively nourished when I'm in Kensington Market. I love it there. Nice. Uh, I miss it all the time. I don't always miss, like, 
the rats or like how <laughs> things smell like garbage on like uh you know the day the morning or the night of garbage garbage yeah, yeah, pickup yeah. is yeah. pretty brutal but like man like it's a it's a special place and i i, I when i walk through it i still i wish i could move back like right away do you have a favorite restaurant there or anywhere in toronto uh, my favorite, re- I would say probably one of my favorite restaurants, whenever anybody asks, it's uh, Chanticleer, which is in Parkdale, actually. It's on Queen West, near, just like if you go west of Dufferin, mm-hmm. uh, it's like a little, just a little sort of spot. Uh, it's it's wonderful. I, I think it's supposed, I think it's French in, inspired. I, I'm bad with that kind of stuff. I never know what I'm What I kind like. of food? Um... They have a beautiful steak tartare. They have this like popcorn shrimp, which is outrageously good. Uh, what else? They used to have this like duck platter that was insane. Um, so that's that's one for sure. Hawker bar on Ossington, I love. Okay. Um, it's uh, I think Singaporean street food, and uh, yeah, I mean. I feel like there's more. There's a wonderful little cafe behind the Eaton Center that I always want to tell people about. I always forget. It's um, it's called the Trinity Church Cafe. I don't know if you know, like, Trinity I, Church I used cafe. to work at the, like, the Edge Studios were at Dundas. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And before that, I took a year off, and I worked in insurance for a year in the same building. Insurance? Yeah. <laughs> Marine cargo insurance. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and my dad showed me this place. But it's a cafe. It's in an old that old church that's sort of, like, Behind the Eden Center, near oh. where the Indigo and the Sears are. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, they have the greatest soup. Where's the cafe there? It's like you go. It's if. So church, when you leave that, oh, it's okay. If you walk out of the mall. Yeah, church is on your right. It's like you kind of walk straight out into it, but it's um. Oh. They have this Moroccan tomato soup, out of control, and it's uh it's a place where I think they, they help people who um, have been, uh. I'm not sure exactly what their situations are, but they're like people who need reintegration into the community. Okay. And they work there and they make everything and like it's their way of like getting back into the workforce work workforce and it's like a beautiful place that is actually so delicious also. Like it's not just like you don't just go there to feel good about doing a nice thing. It's so good. So, nice. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Raina, for coming in. Thank you. This was so much fun.